Assalamu alaikum, Kashif. Uh, welcome to the program and the podcast. Uh, we really appreciate you coming. Kashif Ahmed is the board chair of NCCM, the National Council of Canadian Muslims. Um, thank you, Brother Kashif. And uh, Brother Kashif, uh, uh, mashallah, you're the board chair. You're based here as a lawyer in Vancouver, but uh, NCCM is a national organization. And uh, please tell us uh, uh, the history of NCCM and uh, your journey uh, uh, with NCCM as well. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Uh, assalamu alaikum to all of you and thank you um, to Islam Unraveled for having me to uh, talk about NCCM today. Um, I've been involved with NCCM for a number of years uh, as a volunteer. Uh, I currently serve, as you pointed out, uh, as chair of the board of directors, which is um, composed of an entirely volunteer board. Um, our team on the board uh, spans the country uh, from Vancouver all the way to uh, Quebec um, and is made up of Canadian Muslim community leaders who um, are dedicated to the mission and mandate of NCCM, which is to uh, advocate and challenge um, uh, Islamophobia, represent uh, the public interest of the Muslim community, uh, fight discrimination and hatred, uh, and really build um, a larger understanding and better understanding between uh, Muslims and their fellow citizens. Um, NCCM was founded originally as CARECAN, the Canadian Council on American Islamic Relations. Um, by uh, Dr. Shima Khan uh, back in 2000. And over the years, Alhamdulillah, the organization you know, grew from strength to strength in representing the advocacy concerns of the Muslim community in challenging Islamophobia. Uh, and our history really goes back um, to some of the earliest days of uh, the aftermath of 9-11 <clears throat> and some of the policy challenges that we all face as a community, um, which culminated uh, in the uh, rise of anti-Muslim hate crimes uh, in uh, the early 2000s, and which also led to a disproportionate national security focus on the Muslim community. And that's really where um, the work of the organization grew and took off. And um, we all know the story of the case of Brother Meher Arar, who was um, you know, unlawfully uh, and improperly detained and deported to Syria in 2002, uh, where he was then subjected to torture uh, and um, cruel and unusual treat, uh, punishment and treatment for well over a year uh, until he was released uh, due to the advocacy of his wife and the Muslim community led by, uh, by the organization NCCM at that time known as CARECAM. And so when, when, we, when we all learned about that public inquiry um, into the case of Brother Maharar, that really was when um, the light was shone uh, on some of the worst excesses of the national security uh, establishment 
and the disproportionate impact of national security policy on the Muslim community. Since that time, NCCM has grown into the um, largest and only national Canadian Muslim advocacy and civil rights organization. Um, today, we have um, offices in Ottawa, uh, where our headquarters are located, in Toronto, in Montreal, and soon to be now in Western Canada as well this year, inshallah. And um, the core, you know, despite all these challenges over the years, the core focus of NCCM's work remains on challenging Islamophobia and representing and advocating for the Muslim community when it comes to public policies that impact our community, whether that be national security policies, whether that be religious-based um, policies, um, whether that is fighting Bill 21 in Quebec, for example, right now, where we have a, uh, a very you know, um, strenuous fight against what is now seen and known to be a openly discriminatory piece of legislation in Quebec that prevents Muslims and Jews and other observant faiths um, from uh, wearing religious attire and religious clothing as public servants, uh, particularly teachers, police officers, um, uh, judges, prosecutors, and the like. And um, you know this work has grown at NCCM due to the the wonderful support we have from the community and the ongoing challenges that we all face in terms of Islamophobia and making sure that our community's voice is heard on every public policy piece that comes our way, every public policy piece that may threaten the interests or the, or the rights of our community and also the rights of all Canadians when it comes to civil rights. Um, that focus, that mandate has guided NCCM um, and uh, as you all know, in 2013, uh, NCCM, uh, uh, NCCM became, it is what, what it is today, which is uh, we migrated and evolved from CARECAN to the National Council of Canadian Muslims. And NCCM today, um, you know, is the, is the steward of that legacy um, of that hard work uh, to ensure all of us are safe and protected in this country. And Alhamdulillah, um, I will say, just in my experience, um, I think you and I have known each other for a few years and um, recently uh, working together on a couple of um, issues, uh, again, from a national organization advocating on behalf of Canadian Muslims, I will say an amazing organization, amazing impact, and especially recently, and I, I think this is huge, the um, the, the national recognition by the federal government uh, of Canada and Prime Minister Trudeau, the, the National Day of Remembrance and Action Against Islamophobia. And a lot of it, uh, a lot of that work and coordination uh, through NCCM, and most recently, the, uh, the, uh, the four white supremacist groups that uh, through the advocacy and the policy work and the coordination with NCCM to get uh, the federal government again and uh, Prime Minister uh, Justin Trudeau to uh, 
to denounce or to to actually uh, outlaw these uh, these four white supremacist groups. And I will say it's probably a culmination of many many years of work getting to this stage. So again, hats off to yourself and the team. Um, amazing work, amazing accomplishments, and please do uh, relate for for those listening that how we got to these very seminal moments in our community as Muslims in Canada. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, the the designation of, of the day of January 29th was something that we had all as a community been hoping for and pushing for. And our efforts really started, you know, just days after um, the attack. Um, that fateful night of January 29th, 2017, which is seared in the hearts and minds of all of us uh, in the Muslim community, um, that that tragedy, um, that um, attack on the very safety and the very sense of peace that we as Muslims find when we go to our masajid, um, it you know rallied the community and NCCM to go to the government and um, seek real positive change. And part of that change was a recognition that what happened was an act driven by Islamophobia, an act driven by hate, an act driven by hatred. Um, and that recognition, even though symbolic, I think was critical for the, for the issue of Islamophobia and hatred against communities to enter the public consciousness. And yes, it, well, you know, it was a, it was a, um, a long lobbying um, battle, <laughs> um, but it was something that was done collectively by the community. Um, and CCM had the support of nearly every single masajid and organization of any stripe in the Muslim community when we made that call. Um, we saw our allies across the country stand with NCCM in calling for that designation. And um, it also was about keeping it alive in the public consciousness, which is why we, we launched the day of um, uh, the Green Square campaign, where we would ask Canadians to wear a green square on January 29th to recognize uh, the, the underlying hatred and Islamophobia that led to that attack and to stand in solidarity with the community. And that campaign, I think, gave a larger voice to the fight for the designation. And Alhamdulillah, as you said, um, Brother Tarek, we saw that announcement from the government last week. But from NCCM's vantage point, that announcement is really only step one. Uh, it's a symbolic recognition, but what we really need from, from uh, as a community, um, from government, is action. We need concrete action and we're beginning to see that concrete action. Um, and that is the dismantling of white supremacist groups in Canada and an accountability and transparency on the part of government when it comes to our national security agencies and the way they have disproportionately investigated, surveilled, and securitize the Muslim community in Canada. And I've really ignored <clears throat> for years the, the threats from white supremacists, the threats from far-right extremism, um, and the threats to racialized communities in, in Canada. And so when we saw 
you know, this the designation of four of the worst, you know, international neo-Nazi and white supremacist groups as terrorist organizations. Um, we welcome that at NCCM. Um, although we have core concerns with the Anti-Terrorism Act, we have to this day core concerns with the entire apparatus of the anti-terrorism provision. In terms of a first step to protect the Muslim community from some of the worst actors, the worst purveyors of violence and, and extremism, including what we saw back in Toronto this past uh, fall with the killing of brother Muhammad Aslam's office at the uh, IMO Masjid in Toronto, where his throat was slit as he was sitting outside the masjid enforcing COVID-19 uh, protocols at the masjid by someone who is uh, linked to some of the same neo-Nazi groups that were designated as terrorist groups by, by the government last week. Um, so we, we welcome that. But again, this is also just one more step, um, which is um, a step towards real government action and public policy that recognizes the harms that are being caused by far-right extremism and white supremacy against uh, the harms caused to the Muslim community, the harms caused to racialized communities. Just today, or rather yesterday, we saw another two Muslim women attacked in the city of Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, and subjected to Islamophobic hatred. That brings us to about, I think, five or six cases in the span of a couple of months of street-based attacks on the street of Muslim women being physically assaulted and attacked. And that's deeply, deeply concerning. And so our, our action plan at NCCM to dismantle white supremacist groups and to, com and to confront Islamophobia and hate is really built around um, ensuring that governments at all levels are paying attention to these issues, be that the federal government or be that a, a provincial or municipal government. And the success that we saw um, in the past couple of weeks is due to you know, the solid grassroots mobilization under NCCM in the Muslim community. You know, Alhamdulillah, in the past year, we have managed to mobilize about 40,000 Canadian Muslims behind our campaign. Whether that means someone is making a phone call to their MP in response to an NCCM action alert, or they're emailing their MP, or they are signing a petition, or they are putting their name and their voice to a campaign, uh, Alhamdulillah, NCCM has is, is been able to really um, start to galvanize grassroots Muslim communities coast to coast to be involved in bringing our voice, our national voice at NCCM to the public policy process and to ensure that the Canadian Muslim voice is not in and 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 gosh if uh, so uh, I would say that you're long ahead uh, these well these yeah. yes uh, I, I will say that um, that one of the things uh, especially as a Muslim community to being effectively represented uh, in government whether as an MLA or an MP or a school board trustee, and even uh, in law enforcement, uh, in a lot of the work that we've done with law enforcement, uh, 
uh, law enforcement has said they are proportionately and predominantly uh, white Caucasian. And so the understanding of Islamophobia uh, is not, uh, obviously, if somebody's not a Muslim, they, they, they won't necessarily understand what that is. And, and as part of we as a Muslim community uh, being fully engaged with every level of society to help address uh, these policy changes within the government as well uh, as an active uh, part of it. And I know in Ontario, uh, there's a lot of uh, Muslim uh, elected uh, uh, parliamentarians and, and elected officials, but across Canada and even with the intelligence apparatuses for, for Canada, I would say largely Muslims are not represented in, in these type of policy kind of issues that are determining what are the, the threats within Canada. And we all know, and again, back to uh, banning these four uh, white supremacist groups, is that uh, white supremacists and white nationalism, this domestic terrorism is actually the much, much larger threat and it's, it's much uh, more significant. And because I, I think a lot of the government officials are white Caucasian, maybe there's a reluctance possibly to, 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 to really go against uh, uh, this specific issue. But, uh, but in essence, this radicalization of, uh, and, and uh, uh, I guess for, for the term of, like, although we're trying to dismantle these groups, um, the kind of belief systems that um, white separatists and white nationalists have, they are deep-seated and uh, it's reinforced with these uh, biases through social media and uh, kind of reinforcing their beliefs and their uh, stereotypical uh, uh, prejudice towards Muslims. So it's a, it's a very layered kind of thing, a solution, but a very deep-seated problem. I hope uh, uh, to unpack that, uh, please, wherever you want to start from. Yes, no, you, you know, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head, Brother Tarek. It's a, it's a very layered topic. Um, and I don't think we would may, have made the progress we made in the past while without the constant pushing by NCCM and our allies on the challenges from white supremacy and white supremacist groups. Um, the fundamental issue is, is that there is a reluctance on the part of policymakers to recognize white supremacy for what it is. There's a reluctance on their part to understand that the threats from white supremacy are real, are present, and imminent. Um, and you know, we it, it, it's been a long, uh, it's gonna be a very um, multi-pronged and layered fight to deal with this from a policy point of view. For example, even getting them to recognize that, a, you know, to, to basically call white supremacy white supremacy is even a challenge, right? Um, and so it's one thing to designate a couple of some of the worst groups as terrorists, that's all fine, well, and good, but it doesn't end there. What, it, what we really need to focus on from a dismantling point of view is Number one, getting our national security agencies to understand, and this is where the real battle in terms of reform takes place, is reforming our national security agencies so that they are properly resourcing and spending their efforts on actual threats to national security, to actual threats to Canadians, 
um, and not, you know, this war on terror, um, you know, post 9-11 kind of disproportionate idea that Muslims are the problem. And if we look at some of these regimes that are used under the Anti-Terrorism Act, they have disproportionately and almost entirely been used against the Muslim community. Um, so while we, while we recognize that it was a good thing that some of these extremist groups were listed, we also recognize that there's a fundamental issue with those pieces of law that are used and have been used to target our community and are, and are, are still used by law enforcement to this day and our security agencies to target Muslims, um, some, of, um, you know, some of whom have had their lives ruined because of um, a, a, a terrible um, uh, and biased infused system when it comes to national security investigations and policing. So on the one hand, you have a issue of policymaking, which would emanate from our government ministries and our um, uh, bureaucracies at the federal level. And on the other hand, you have the issue of politicians and getting them to also understand that the systems in place for policymaking uh, are, are not properly focused on the issues at hand um, and are not properly focused on protecting minority communities in the country. So uh, our work is cut out for us. And that's why as part of NCCM's action plan moving forward, one of our key focuses is going to be that there must be new legislation brought forward in parliament that treats white supremacist groups as white supremacist groups. And that we don't all feel comfortable in these, you know, um, terrorism designations that are coming out as the only solution, because they're not the only solution, they're only a, a small part of the problem. Um, and what we really need to see is made in Canada legislation that deals with the problem of white supremacy and, and these groups. And coupled with that, an ongoing focus in government on diversity, inclusion, and equity when it comes to hiring practices in government, when it comes to leadership in government, when it comes to the work done by our national security agencies. You know, we just had a report uh, a couple of years ago where CSIS, um, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, you know, was able to be shown to have a, a Islamophobia problem in their ranks where Muslims were being targeted within the service. People who worked at CSIS were being targeted. Um, which raised a whole bunch of questions about how the Muslim community is being viewed and treated by our national security agencies. If you're discriminating against employees who are Muslim, how does that impact your actual operations when it comes to national security? So there's a lot of layers here that we at NCCM are focusing on. Uh, we are, we are, have a multi-pronged approach. And the, our community, all of you, will be seeing more of that work come out. And we're really going to be relying upon all of you to come out and support NCCM's campaigns when we do uh, various policy uh, actions 
uh, to ensure that our community is protected and uh, not just protected, but also part and parcel of the policymaking process that we're no longer shut out, that we have a voice at the table, that we have a seat at the table and that we as a community cannot be ignored. And, and you, you actually said something uh, very important uh, about discrimination about Muslims that, that work at CSIS. So uh, uh, on an institutional front, um, we, we, in, in the memorial that uh, uh, we did from Vancouver, we had a Muslim sister who's a, a Syrian refugee and she's now a, a, a college student. And one of her uh, professors who, uh, very educated, um, uh, but it would take a lot of uh, pleasure in presenting Islam in a very negative and um, and biased way, with even uh, kind of loose uh, kind of uh, interpretations of Islam, but but to enforce a negative viewpoint amongst the students. And so this Muslim sister, she herself, uh, again, she's a Syrian refugee, uh, came five years ago uh, as as a teenager, and uh, she actually was assaulted last summer. Uh, on on the public transit uh, because she was wearing hijab and as a Muslim, and then facing not only a physical attack but also uh, something even more uh, hurtful, at least from her perspective, uh, that 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 uh, somebody who's in a position of uh, conveying uh, a perception about an entire community and a religion is is on purpose going out of their way to enforce a negative viewpoint and to teach a negative viewpoint about Islam and Muslims uh, from an institutional level. And, uh, and so, so with, with that being the case, when there are educators, even, even law enforcement agency officials that may have their own prejudi prejudicial biases, uh, we did speak to some law enforcement that some of their training about Islam and Muslims is very biased, like, uh, and it's not by Muslims, it's just the, the typical, stereotypical uh, things about when you go to a Muslim house, don't talk to a Muslim woman because she's not the one to speak, and just, just various, you know, stereotypical, outright falsehoods about uh, Muslim culture and, and, and Muslim beliefs that, that, that are layered in, in education and informing uh, biases. And I, I know that's a, a significant aspect that, that these biases are being reinforced by, by various and all levels of government. Yes, you know, um, thank you for raising that point. The issue of institutionalized bias within the um, operations of law enforcement, of government, of civil society, when it comes to Islam and Muslims and other racialized communities is a ongoing problem. And at NCCM, we deal with this at a regular, uh, on a regular basis, you know, whether it's a school board, um, in Ontario, in the GTA, where you know anti-Muslim racism, Islamophobia was pervasive in the school board uh, and in the classroom, whether it's dealing with the Canadian military and biases against Muslims serving in the military and the kind of unacceptable and vitriolic things that Muslims in the military have had to encounter, um, or whether it's law enforcement. These are these are systemic issues, which is why it's called systemic racism. Um, and our goal at NCCM is to continue to bring these issues to the forefront in concert with our allies across communities, um, across interest groups, to ensure that the government takes proper action 
on these issues. So for example, on the institutional question with our national security agencies, NCCM has called for two key things. Number one is whistleblower protection for national security employees to be able to report discriminatory and unlawful conduct within the ranks, to report malfeasance within security agencies to their superiors without fear of retaliation, number one. Number two, we've been in our meetings with the government, we're regularly calling them to um, develop proper diversity, equity, and inclusion audits within national security agencies, and in fact, across government, to ensure that the voices of marginalized communities, of racialized minorities, of Muslims and others are represented in the ranks. And that this kind of systemic racism can be dismantled through the proper inclusion um, of voices that are typically ignored. And so this is, you know, as you pointed out, this is a long haul fight. This is a long haul um, advocacy that we're in. Uh, but, you know, Alhamdulillah, um, I am confident that with the successes that we've seen so far and with the amazing professionals that work at NCCM, I'm not talking about myself because I'm a volunteer, I don't work at NCCM, but our amazing staff, the amazing professionals, the lawyers, the academics, the journalists, um, the researchers, uh, the community advocates who work for NCCM day in, day out, um, as they continue to execute on this work uh, and as the community, people like ourselves, get involved with the work of NCCM in supporting our campaigns, in supporting our advocacy, inshallah, we are going to see a lot more change happen because um, the voices of our community when they're united is very strong. The voice is very strong in the Muslim community. And so at NCCM, we continue to push for that voice to become stronger. And it's only possible because of the community support. Agreed. And, and you brought up journalism and, uh, and, uh, and uh, we talked about institutional bias, but now from uh, a mindshare or social engineering and uh, biases by uh, national newspapers and national media, whether it's uh, the Globe and Mail, the National Post or, or what have you, uh, certain journalists. And, uh, and as we've seen in multiple, multiple articles, uh, many articles are really uh, angled in a way to present Muslims in the most negative light possible. And, uh, and you'd mentioned that you have journalists on staff. So obviously that is something uh, sometimes on a daily or a regular basis, Islamophobic uh, media biases are, are very prevalent. Um, please discuss that and some of the work NCS, NCCM is doing to combat that. No, that's a great question. So, you know, our, our media work, you know, goes back years because as you said, media is both a, um, a shaper and a maker of, of, of public perception and opinion. So we have a vested interest as NCCM as a community to make sure that the portrayal of Muslims is accurate, is balanced and fair. And we continue to see in our work, uh, as you described, the layering of Islamophobic tropes 
the layering of anti-Muslim biases and stereotypes within story making, within articles, within the news. Now, I'll give you one small example. When the Christchurch attacks happened on March 15th, uh, 2019, the Globe and Mail, which is Canada's national newspaper of record, decided to run a story about the, uh, you know, run their headline news for that day on other paper on a topic entirely different from the Christchurch shooting. Christchurch was, you know, somewhere lower on the front page. And we spoke to the Globe and Mail's public editor and their newsroom about, you know, what led to that decision? What led you as one of the largest newspapers in the country to somehow think that a terrorist attack on to Masajid in a Western liberal democracy known as New Zealand, which led to the deaths of over 50 innocent people, would not warrant front page headline news coverage in your paper. Had it been any other community, had it be any other incident, you would have you know, led your news with that, with that particular item. And yes, there was recognition by the public editor at the Global Mail that you know they made a mistake and that should not have, that should not have happened. And yes, we were right. There should have been proper coverage, front page coverage of that of the of the attack. The very fact that it happened tells us that not only are Muslims and Islam continuously subjected to negative stereotypes, but even when we are victimized, even when we um, are able to demonstrate the corrosive effects of Islamophobia in our community, we still face the barrier of being able to communicate our stories. We still face the barrier of being able to have the narratives of the Muslim community heard. So at NCC, what we've what we strive to do is uh, is to do two things. One is continuously meet with newsrooms and journalists to improve coverage of Islam and Muslims, to critique. Uh, journalists and journalism uh, in this country to present, you know, Muslim voices that are up and coming, uh, to push for Muslim perspectives to be heard. So when Muslims are being talked about, there should be a Muslim representation in media, whether it's broadcast, radio, print, what have you, uh, when Muslim issues are discussed. <clears throat> and also to recognize that Muslims are also experts beyond just Muslim issues. <laughs> Muslims are experts in all walks of life. As a, as a, you know, alhamdulillah, a highly educated community, one that punches above its weight, and one that should be included in the variety of policy discussions that happen in this country uh, on the front pages of the, of the newspapers and on, on our TV screens. And alhamdulillah, um, you know, we've seen some progress on that, but there's a lot of work to be done. And we do offer trainings to newsrooms on media relation, on media uh, sensitivity to Islam and Muslims. But really what it comes down to is holding media accountable for their, um, for their work, for their products. And um, we've had a few campaigns where we've done that and we've succeeded in doing that. And we're gonna keep doing that because we think in order to change the landscape and the narrative about Muslims in the media, it, it requires the involvement of Muslims at all levels from the grassroots all the way up. 
to be involved in story making and storytelling in our communities, uh, without which we're, we're not going to see the, the change that we are seeking. And uh, agreed. And it, you, uh, it, one of the recommendations in, in one of the presentations um, that I attended that you presented at, uh, there's a book recommended called The Islamophobia Industry. And, uh, and so from a social media standpoint, an organized, well-funded groups whose sole mandate is to foster this negative perception, not only negative, but hateful perception of Muslims uh, throughout North America and the world to conflate Islam and Muslims with, with, with violence and, and terrorism. And uh, Kasha, yourself and our community, is, is we, we love our country, we love our city, we love our province. Uh, Muslims uh, have helped build Canada for over 150 years from uh, immigration from every kind of Muslim country you can imagine, as proud a Canadian as anybody else. Um, yet uh, there are concerted, well-funded efforts to uh, convey or to influence opinion that somehow Muslims don't love their country or is not as loyal uh, in the defense of their respective countries as, as uh, non-Muslims would be. So one is the traditional media bias, but now the social media groups, which are probably much more powerful uh, because of how quickly they can, they can basically twist and uh, put out memes and, 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 and uh, uh, false narratives in, 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 in the way they present Islam to, to the public can be disseminated very quickly on social media. So it is a coordinated, well-funded effort. And, and I, I am reading uh, the book on your recommendation. What are your thoughts about this significant aspect of really where the majority of the world's attention is going is, is on the internet and a lot of uh, people's biases and attitudes and beliefs are being shaped by, by what they see on the internet. Um, this is a very big, uh, big kind of area. Please, uh, however you want to address it. No, that's a really good question. And it's something which frankly occupies our minds uh, as of late when we think about social media and, and hatred and, and what we're seeing in, in today's social media landscape. Um, the starting point, I think, is we need to understand that the Islamophobia movement is a globalized movement. It's really become a globalized movement. So, for, for example, what may be being pushed out about Muslims the negative messages about Muslims that may be being pushed out from India, for example, are finding airtime in Canada, right? Are finding acceptance on social media in Canada by Canadians. Uh, or, you know, Islamophobia emanating from France is finding its airwaves and acceptance in places like Quebec, right? In Quebec media, including social media. So Islamophobia has become a globalized force and that only increases the challenge because the, the amount of misinformation that's pouring in from social media is a very daunting challenge. That being said, there's two ways that at, at NCCM that we are looking at this issue of how to address it. The first way is to push forward the Muslim voices that need to be heard and build up the ability for Muslims to communicate and spread their information on social media and to present 
information about uh, Islam and Muslim which counters the kind of misinformation that's coming out there. And that's growing, alhamdulillah, it's getting better, but we have a long way to go. The second part is to make sure that where social media is used to propagate violence and hatred, that we take appropriate action where it crosses the line, where it crosses the line into illegality, that we reach out to government and to police to take appropriate action. And you know, there's been a few cases of that happening now where, where police have taken action in Canada against those who have been fomenting Islamophobia online, including imminent threats. And that work needs to continue, needs to evolve as we look at the entire holistic landscape of Islamophobia and racism and hatred on social media. Of course, we as, as, you know, as, as Canadian Muslims, as Canadians, um, as an organization that has a, a core component of its work on civil liberties and the protection of civil liberties, we take our free speech rights very seriously. We treasure our free speech rights. At the same time, when we see the uh, immense um, amounts of hate uh, and calls for hate and calls for violence that are coming out on social media, towards Muslims, uh, racialized communities, towards Jews uh, and others, uh, particularly from the white supremacy crowd, um, action needs to be looked at and, and, and taken. And um, at NCCM, we, you know, we are looking at these issues from a holistic lens, from a lens of what do we need to do to counter it? What can we do to increase the Muslim voices? What can we do to enhance the Muslim social media presence in Canada? Um, and how can we push out the right information of the community? And this is going to involve um, a whole lot of different tools. Um, it's gonna involve a lot of consultation with our community and also a lot of coordination with our community as to how we can get the best possible information, the most accurate information about Islam out. Um, and how can we also ensure that we protect free speech, and we protect our own free speech as a community, um, and um, ensure that we are all, <clears throat> you know, feeling part and parcel of a, of a society that accepts us and makes us feel safe. Agreed, and, and we do live in a, in a country, I would say, compared to many around the world, we are in, in one of the most uh, uh, freest societies, um, albeit with the work uh, that you're doing in Quebec, combating that legislation that, that, that is trying to impose against the Muslims and their, their, their outward appearance and, and uh, perception as, as being a Muslim is, is, is being encroached upon. But the other, you mentioned Islamophobia is global. And as we've seen with what's happening in France and also uh, Islamophobia uh, uh, leading to genocide, which uh, what's happening to the Uyghur Muslims in China or, or the oppression in Kashmir in India or the Rohingya in Myanmar, how uh, state-sponsored Islamophobia leads to genocide. So these are very real existential threats. So one is assaults, uh, that, that Muslims are experiencing and, and murder uh, on a certain scale in, in, in Western societies. But now we're seeing Islamophobia on a state and nation uh, basis that is, that is really 
in essence, uh, working to destroy Muslim peoples in, in, in various countries, China in particular. I know that's a huge topic, but um, as we're going up the food chain of Islamophobia, these are the, the highest existential threats to the Muslim community. Yes, absolutely. Look, you know, the, the globalized phenomenon of Islamophobia has, is leading to some of the worst human rights abuses, the worst acts, uh, the worst crimes of humanity that we can imagine. Um, and um, this is a real challenge, not just for us as Muslims in Canada, but Muslims across the Western world as to um, steps that we need to take to bring these issues uh, to the policy forefront. In Canada, um, we've had some successes as a community. For example, on the Rohingya file, uh, we have a special envoy uh, on the Rohingya file. Um, we had um, an all-party support from the Federal uh, Parliamentary Committee on International Human Rights uh, to condemn the abuses by the regime in China uh, and the uh, essential genocide being done against the Uyghur Muslims. At NCCM, we are, uh, although we have a domestically focused mandate, uh, we are increasingly looking at what are these issues as, the, as we see the globalized phenomenon of Islamophobia. That Islamophobia in overseas, overseas is now impacting us here at home. And um, you know, just about, about two weeks ago, we held an event at NCCM um, where we, uh, it was called the Uyghur Crisis. Uh, hosted by NCCM, where we had uh, conservative MP and human rights critic Garnet Genuis um, and liberal uh, MP Samir Zaberi uh, come together for a forum and discussion on how we as Canadians need to take a, a, a stronger course of action against um, the abuse, the, the abuse, sorry, um, against uh, the Uyghur Muslim community. Um, and the, the actual um, uh, ethnic cleansing uh, and killing of Uyghur Muslims. So these are very um, complex, difficult issues, but they cannot be ignored. And uh, at NCCM, we are I'm always looking at how can we as an organization do more uh, in line with our mandate to bring these issues to the forefront. Uh, and the Uyghur question was one that, of course, is close to all of us. Uh, and that's why we, we are, um, have done work on that file in particular. As things progress, as things move forward, I think we as a, as a community are going to have to give more attention, uh, much more attention rather, uh, to the ongoing state level persecution of Muslims. Um, and of course, uh, we, never, we also never underestimate the power of dua uh, in prayer, in supplicating to Allah to um, ease the suffering of our, of our Muslim brethren um, and all peoples who are suffering, suffering state persecution for their religious beliefs, um, who are having their, their human rights fundamentally violated, um, which is something which is uh, close to our hearts. Uh, and uh, we must continue to take action while also uh, seeking the the mercy and the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Amen.
and and you actually brought up a, another key point uh, uh, earlier about uh, allies and uh, people that are also faith-based that also do have uh, a shared uh, concern for human rights abuses. So, um, uh, interestingly enough, uh, a couple of weeks back, we were approached by the local Jewish community um, to do a program uh, to address uh, the Uyghur crisis and the Uyghur genocide. And so this was, um, Islam Unraveled had done uh, a number of outreach programs to various churches and synagogues throughout the years. And so we were kind of a point of contact where they reached out to us and they said, because uh, the Jewish community's experience with the Holocaust in World War II, um, the, the, the Jewish community that approached us because of that genocide, for them to see the type of genocide happening in China and the Uyghur people uh, echoed uh, many of those uh, uh, atrocities that occurred to their community. Uh, they wanted to help, they wanted to do something. And so uh, in speaking of allies, one thing is we are very concerned about our own community, but there are others that, that aren't Muslims, but they do have that sense of human compassion, that human desire to, to help the oppressed. And so uh, part of uh, what the, uh, the idea for the, the group was a multi-faith uh, uh, representation to lobby the, the federal government to to uh, to denounce uh, this genocide. So, um, as you said, uh, we are, we we are in Canada. It's a multiracial, multi-religious uh, society, and there are many people that uh, that are not Muslims but want to work with us to address these type of human rights abuses. Yes, yes, absolutely. Look, um, I you can never overemphasize coalition building. Coalition building is at the core of our work at NCCM, and it should be the core of our work as a Muslim community when we look at these issues, a range of issues. And, you know, on the Uyghur Muslim file, you're absolutely right. You know, for example, the, the Jewish community is particularly and rightly sensitive to the issue of genocide, given the horrors of the Holocaust. They know all too well what state persecution means at a, at a horrific scale. So um, our work as a community, as Canadians to come together, to build those coalitions, uh, to pressure the government through our numbers to create change is absolutely necessary. Now we can't divorce ourselves from all of the geopolitical forces that are at play, whether that be politics, international trade, um, the ongoing detention of two Canadians in, 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 um, in Chinese state prisons. There's a whole myriad of factors at play that are affecting us, but that does not mean that we, you know, quiet our efforts or we don't take action. No, on the other hand, it should mean that we intensify our coalition building, we intensify our lobbying, um, and that we intensify the bridge building that is necessary for this work to succeed. Um, you know, nothing worth, um, you know, nothing worth uh, its weight is ever achieved without, you know, grit and hard work and um, building those lines of alliances and communication between communities. And that's especially true in Canada. Um, and that's, you know, uh, that kind of coalition work 
is something which informs NCCM's work on a regular basis. You know, all the work that we talked about on Jan 29th on uh, countering white supremacy, on dismantling white supremacist groups, that has all been, been made possible because of coalition work. Uh, and, uh, you know, alhamdulillah for those relationships because that's what is really going to be um, enable the Muslim community to, to push forward um, on some of these key, key advocacy files uh, that concern all of us. Agreed. And, and the other uh, valuable uh, aspects of our community, our Muslim sisters, uh, are not victims. I, I, I have to say our Muslim sisters that wear hijab, that are out in the public, they are the heroes. They are the, and I know you have many sisters that work with NCCM. And, uh, and the talent and the professionalism and the education of our Muslim sisters. Um, maybe please talk about um, our, our, our Muslim sisters that work in NCCM as well as uh, in, in, in the work that you've done across Canada, uh, how our Muslim sisters are taking the lead. And especially, you know, a lot of us, uh, sometimes people may, may or may not recognize Muslim men uh, other than possibly the beard or, or the, the, the Islamic clothing. But any Muslim sister that leaves the house and wears hijab, uh, automatically everyone knows this is a Muslim. And they are, again, on the front line of Islamophobia on a daily basis. And, and these are our uh, leaders and, and very, very, very valuable members of our Muslim community. If, if we could maybe close our discussion and, and, and talk about our, our Muslim sisters that are in leadership positions that are working uh, hand in hand with the uh, with, with uh, the rest of the community to, uh, to, to really address these issues. Absolutely, no, I think that's a really important um, point to highlight. And it's not just a point, it's something that should be talked about again and again. Um, at NCCM, you know, we were founded, our predecessor, Kir Khan, was founded by a Muslim sister, Dr. Shima Khan, right? Who, Today, who, today, who today is a respected um, global male columnist and a respected voice in the Muslim community and always has been and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward her for all of her efforts. Um, I mean, you know, our, our team, uh, you know, our, our CEO, Mustafa Farouk, often tells me that um, none of the work at NCC will be possible, literally none of it at the staff level without the you know dynamic leadership of our chief operating officer dr nadi hassan from toronto um, and the various other leaders who are working um, either at the board or staff level at ncc um, you know i can just take a moment to speak about for example nadia's leadership at nccm um, as the chief operating officer she probably um, is the glue that keeps, not probably she is, the glue that keeps NCCM's work going, right? Um, it's one thing to advocate. It's one thing to, you know, put on a campaign. But there's a whole series of pieces that go along with that, that if they're not done, that makes the, the work impossible. Um, so that incredible leadership from Nadia um, and from the others who are on the staff team to our board, uh, Dr. Freya Khan from Toronto, who's probably the most hardest working person I've ever met in my life in terms of Muslim community work. Um, mashallah. Um, and the volunteers, 
that have informed NCCM's work at every step of the way, right? Um, have been uh, Muslim women. Um, and uh, at NCCM, we strive to ensure that um, we have that equal participation between men and women in terms of informing every aspect of NCCM's advocacy. Uh, you cannot advocate for half of the community, which is our, which is Muslim women, if you don't try to include, reflect, and listen to and learn from the voices of Muslim women and, and Muslim women leaders. I think we as a community are blessed, uh, and NCCM is blessed in particular with fantastic Muslim leaders who happen to who happen to be um, to be women, and who are are really role models for um, our youngsters and for the up and coming generation in our community that um, the work of Muslim advocacy, the work of human rights, the work of countering Islamophobia um, truly requires everyone's participation. Um, and uh, I am proud to lead an organization that has some of the best minds in the business uh, from um, uh, from among our Muslim sisters, and I hope to see more, inshallah. In terms of the actual um, challenges, you're absolutely right. Um, visible Muslim women are by far the most victimized when it comes to Islamophobia. Our data shows that time and time again. And so, you know, often researchers talk about how Islamophobia can often be, see, often be, be seen as a gendered phenomenon, meaning that you know, women are disproportionately targeted uh, under Islamophobia or in Islamophobia. And that, that realization, that data informs a lot of NCCM's advocacy. And, and what we've seen in Edmonton this past two months with repeated attacks against Muslim women, we need concrete solutions. We as Muslims, and it's not just Edmonton, this is happening across the country. We as a Muslim community need to be pressuring our governments at all levels particularly even the provincial governments and our municipal governments to take action on the street level harassment that is impacting our, our Muslim sisters, our youth, our, our youngsters. It is unacceptable. And for any government to turn a blind eye to it um, is, you know, is something which they should be held accountable for. At an NCCM, we remain 150% committed and dedicated to ensuring that that kind of Islamophobia, this vicious street level harassment, the targeting of Muslim women is dismantled piece by piece so we can create a safer community for all of us. Very well said. Thank you, Brother Kashif. And there's actually one more item I, I did want to discuss because this is our future, is our Muslim youth. And, uh, and the Muslim youth, uh, I have to say, mashallah, I, I've met a number of our uh, Teenage Muslims and, and and Muslims that are university students and Muslim uh, young professionals in their twenties. We have so much talent in our community from the youth perspective. And and after we go, our our, our new generation that comes behind us, uh, this type of leadership building across Canada with our youth. Um, perhaps we could just discuss about our 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 our, our youth and and. One item I, I, I do want to mention, um, as there is 
a lot of Islamophobic propaganda. And part of propaganda objective is to demoralize the enemy. That if 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 propaganda in a way like negative uh, stereotypes about Muslims, where Muslims are are, are, are shy to uh, identify as Muslims, are shy to to really uh, say that they have Muslim name Muslim names like Muhammad or what have you, and and they want more let's say uh, anglicized or or Western sounding names. So these are these are things that uh, some Muslim youth confront, especially in the context of. Uh, Microaggressions and, and bullying, where uh, you know, cruel, cruel bullies in, in in school or even sometimes even in a work setting will will make these uh, comments, uh, 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 terrorist or 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 if you have a bomb or whatever it is, certain things that uh, some of our, our 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 youth have told us that happens on a regular basis, uh, and and to protect our youth. The honor of our Islam, the honor of our faith, the honor of our community. Um, how we're uh, the goal uh, as we as a community with all Muslim organizations to ensure our youth uh, uh, has that uh, high morale and and moving forward uh, to to really uh, bring these leaders up. No, that's a a really important um, discussion. I think we as a community overall, generally in in Canada. Um, we haven't done as good a job as we could as we could on focusing on our Muslim youth and bringing our Muslim youth up and building up their leadership and their confidence. It's critical that we do, um, without which we, you know, put at peril a lot of our future work. So at NCCM, we've tried to address this issue in in two in two manners. One is we launched in 2020 a NCCM campus liaison program where now through the campus liaison program we have a Muslim student representative for NCCM at every major campus across the country. I think we now have over 15 universities including SFU and UBC here in British Columbia. Um, and the purpose of the campus liaison program is to enable our Muslim students, particularly our post-secondary students, to be able to connect to NCCM's work, to our human rights work, to our advocacy, to our community outreach, and to our education work, and to be part and parcel of the campaigns and the work that we do, and to bring those campaigns and that work to campus, and to liaison with the, with the MSAs. Um, and alhamdulillah, the, the launch has been so stellar. We've had so many Muslim students apply to become the campus liaison for NCCM at their university. We've, um, uh, on our social media at NCCM, we've announced uh, one by one all the wonderful new faces who are now NCCM campus liaisons and who are going to be undertaking the work. Now, why is this work important? Why, why should we have a campus liaison program? Well, the purpose is twofold. One is to ensure, like I said, that we have the, the work is being connected to our Muslim youth and that Muslim youth are informing our work at every level. But number two, it's also to reinforce and build up the confidence of our students, of our youth, uh, to, uh, of our 20-somethings, to make sure that they feel that they have a voice, that they have a say, and that they have, a, they have a sense of safety and security in their Muslim identity. 
And you hit the nail on the head, Brother Tariq, when you talked about you know, the very Muslim identity and the Islamic identity of our youth being challenged by Islamophobia and being worn down by Islamophobia. And it's critical that we as, as community leaders, as educators, as professionals, as those who are thinking about these issues to really consider what is the impact of Islamophobia on our youth and to, and to give them the, the tools, the skills, and the confidence to be able to overcome what they see. And so at NCCM, we take this message very much to heart. Uh, and we think it's, it's critical that it be addressed holistically. And our campus liaison program is designed to do that, is to, is to allow um, these youngsters uh, and these students to see the work, to see that, you know, I can be a Muslim advocate. I can be a human rights advocate. I can be a spokesperson. I can lobby government. I can fight for my school board to be equitable. And I'll have the backing and the tools and the skills from NCCM to do it. Um, and our, uh, inshallah, our goal is that we have you know, a, a new um, cycle and pool of Muslim youth across the country who kind of are connected to NCCM's work and cycle through the program and then are able to assume, inshallah, uh, gain and, and assume more skills, more leadership skills, uh, more confidence as they move ahead in life and, and, and become essentially the future, the future of NCCM and the future of our community. Um, in terms of the actual work when it comes to Muslim youth and the impact of Islamophobia, the number one area in which we have seen the biggest concern is Muslim students in secondary schools. And the amount of Islamophobia that has permeated through school boards throughout the country, the amount of Islamophobia that, that has um, been uh, uh, discovered in classrooms across the country, uh, the kind of pain that some of our Muslim youth have gone through in facing Islamophobia from not only their fellow students, but from also from educators and teachers. And so at NCCM, what we did is in recognition of this problem, Three years ago, or almost four years ago, we launched a education program to counter Islamophobia in schools specifically. And I think every year since 2017, we have reached anywhere from 3,000 to 5,000 educators. And we have trained teachers and educators on Islamophobia in the classroom and how to dismantle and remove Islamophobia and discrimination from the classroom, alhamdulillah. Just in 2020, we delivered over 75 workshops to educators across the country on dismantling Islamophobia in the classroom, finding out, identifying what it is, and making safer spaces for Muslim youth in the classroom. This is critical work. Um, it needs to be replicated, it needs to grow. Um, it really goes to the heart of our future. If our Muslim youth don't have that protection, that sense of confidence, that resilience, then we put everything at risk. So um, it, it's a core focus of NCCM's work right now, as of right now, uh, every day to ensure that Muslim youth are feeling safe and protected in, our, in their schools and in their uh, universities. Alhamdulillah, that's great work. And, and gosh, I really appreciate uh, you taking your time to, to really 
explain to, to the listeners uh, all this great work uh, that uh, NCCM is doing, uh, the National Council of Canadian Muslims. And when people are facing certain issues and certain challenges and they may need the services of NCCM, uh, your website is www.nccm.com. Is there any other ways that folks can reach out uh, if they need help on a masjid level or maybe they, they face some sort of discrimination or assault? What is the best way to get a hold of NCCM? Yes, absolutely. Just to quickly reiterate, the website is um, nccm.ca, nccm.ca. And uh, if you go to our website, the first action item I'd recommend all of our listeners to do is to sign up for NCCM's uh, e-list, our, uh, our list of information that gets churned out to all of our um, subscribers on a weekly basis so that you know what's going on in your community, so that you know what's happening when it comes to the Muslim community's concerns on advocacy issues. So you know what's happening in your district or your city or your province. It's critical that our community be in the know about what's happening. So the first step is to, you know, please sign up for NCCM's e-list at nccm.ca. In terms of getting in touch with NCCM on issues that may arise, uh, whether it's a human rights complaint, discrimination, Islamophobia, or even a media complaint, you can reach our, uh, our national office at 1-866-524-0004, 1-866-524-0004. We have a full-time legal department that's dedicated to um, intaking complaints around discrimination, Islamophobia that can be reached. Um, and we also can be reached by email at info at nccm.ca. On our website, we also have an incident reporting form. If you go to nccm.ca and you go to resources or connect, you'll be able to see an incident uh, reporting form whereby you can fill out details about an incident, whether it be a media incident, incident of Islamophobia that you've experienced, maybe someone else has, has experienced um, a hate crime, what have you you should uh, definitely get in touch with NCCM and inshallah you would hear from a member of our staff team. Um, NCCM is only as strong as uh, the information that we get and the support that we get. So we do need members of the community to report to us when they do come across uh, cases of Islamophobia in the community. Uh, again, the, that, you know, the, the connection between NCCM and the grassroots is so critical and is something which we are focused on uh, at NCCM. And alhamdulillah, you know, in, two, in 2020, while we were able to mobilize, you know, 40,000 Canadian Muslims behind our campaigns uh, in 2021 and beyond, we are looking to increase that number dramatically, inshallah. And that's only going to be made possible with uh, the support of all of you. Alhamdulillah. And, and also for those that would like to contribute um, financially to uh, NCCM, what is the best way to do that uh, for those that want to, to, to help and, and, and contribute? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if you go to nccm.ca and click on donate, uh, you'll be able to donate online directly to NCCM. Uh, the financial support is really necessary. The average donation to NCCM ranges on a monthly basis from $20 to $50 per month. Uh, in 2020, we had a campaign where we asked Canadian Muslims 
to sign up for 20 bucks a month, just 20 bucks a month to NCCM. Your financial support means we can reach more Muslims who are victims of hate crimes. We can offer more support uh, to, to them when they encounter Islamophobia. It means more policy staff to advocate on behalf of you with government. It means more resources to reach and educate schools and school boards about Islamophobia. And that support also means reaching more media uh, to, to counter the Islamophobia that we see uh, on our airwaves and on social media. So that support is very much necessary. Um, and I wanna thank Islam Unraveled for giving NCCM the opportunity to speak today and to highlight some of the work that we're doing for the community. Thank you very much, Brother Kashif. Allah Panta reward you and all the, the Muslim community across Canada. And just again, for our listeners, the National Council of Canadian Muslims advocating on behalf of Muslim Canadians across Canada, a fantastic resource connecting the Muslim community in every province across Canada. I want to thank you, Allah Panta reward you all for, for all the great work that you do. And JazakAllah care for joining us. Thank you very much. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you.